0: This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. The first day that you go to a new job, or the first day you go to a new school, you get up that morning and you really are concerned about your outfit. You want everything to look just right, look appropriate, look age appropriate, iron. And you're also very concerned about being punctual. And so you get there uh, not just on time, you get there early You try to beat the boss there. You want to be the first person there to make a first impression. And your attitude uh, has never been better than that first day. You're energized. You're excited. uh, You're aware. You're listening. Because there is something about the first day that gets us excited. And God made it that way. We like new beginnings. Well, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1 because as we look at Jeremiah's life today... You're going to see that very principle in operation. As we start Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah received an incredible call from the Lord. And when he received this call from the Lord, it was absolutely exciting. In fact, the first thing I want you to write down, we're going to jump right into this today, is the first thing Jeremiah received was an exhilarating call or an exhilarating cause The prophet Jeremiah heard something from God and it was exhilarating. It was exciting. Uh, God spoke to him in a very clear way. So we go to Jeremiah chapter 1, starting with verse 4. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Is that not a good thing to have the word of the Lord come to you? Saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you... As a prophet to the nation. Now that the prophet to the nation said that, that is an exciting call. That's exhilarating. That God would think that when Jeremiah was in his mother's womb. That God had already said that one's going to be a prophet. That one's not going to just be a prophet to a few people. To the nations. Now here's Jeremiah's response. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord I said. I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. And so we go to verse seven, but the Lord said to me, now when God speaks, that can be a very dramatic thing. You know, I know a lot, most of us hear Him through impressions with our mind or we hear them in our spirit. Maybe we hear Him through a sermon, but when God speaks, that can feel very dramatic. And so now to add, to make this a little more dramatic, Penny, I want you to join me up here for a second. Because when God begins to speak, it's just like a good movie. Have you ever noticed when a climactic point comes to a movie, uh, the words just are not said? I mean, the words are said with the right background music, okay? So I want us to pretend, imagine we're Jeremiah, and he had said, God, I'm only a child, I can't speak. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a child. Isn't that better with the music? How many think that's good? She's doing good with that. I tried to get her to get some like organ stuff, but she's not quite there yet. She didn't have enough soul to do that. But here it is. The the Lord said, I'm only a child. Don't say that. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And he goes on. The Lord keeps talking so the music doesn't stop because God always talks in music, right? Now, this is powerful. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Can I hear an amen from the people here? Now this is is good stuff. This is God speaking. And now he says, verse 10, now this is good. This is preaching stuff right here. I mean, this is, this is, this would go on the Aaron Allison highlight video for my sermons at the end of the year. This could be the intro role to my TV show. Are you ready for it? See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. See, God's speaking. We got that. We got to be. Now, he goes on now. It gets even better. Go to verse 17. Get yourself ready. Stand up. Say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify them you before them today i've made you a fortified city now now that's pretty buff right there to be a fortified city all right i made you a fortified city an iron pillar a bronze wall to stand against the whole land against the king of judah its officials its priests and the people of the land they will fight against you but will not overcome you for i am with you and will rescue you declares the lord isn't it good to hear from god sometimes huh so Jeremiah heard from God, and that was a good thing. And God had the background music, and everything went awesome. Everything went well. Now, thank you. That just helped me. All right, that just made the start of my sermon more exciting. So, so here's the situation. Jeremiah is a young man. He's full of energy. He's full of life. He's full of optimism. And he's heard the word from the Lord. God's spoken to him. And all the things that we just referred... Those would be powerful things to hear. In fact, God said, don't be terrified of the people because I'm going to terrify them before you. And you can just imagine Jeremiah having the attitude of this. He, he probably had the attitude of that, that went something like this. I am going to speak whatever God wants me to speak to whoever God wants me to speak it to. When he, there is no fear in me because there's an exhilarating cause. God has spoken to me. God has chosen me. From my mother's womb, God has appointed me a prophet to the nations. There's no stopping me now. No matter how much it costs me, I will fulfill my calling. Now, before you think this is some ancient story you're disconnected to, you've been there before too. It's what I call the new car syndrome. Whenever you buy a new car... It never is as good as that first day when you drive it off the lot. It looks incredible. The steering wheel just feels right in your hands. And the smell. How many love a new car smell? And as you're driving off that lot, you're making a vow in your, in your heart. You're saying, this car will never get dirty. <laughs> Ever. In fact, if your favorite nephew or niece or your son or daughter would dare bring a happy meal into the sacred and holy ark of the Lord? There is no way you would let that happen because uh, when you start out with that new car, it is exactly the way you want it. You love it. It's new. It's exhilarating. And you have a decision. I'm going to keep this car perpetually clean. And that's a lot of what A lot of us have felt when we started something significant to us. Whether it was the classroom you teach in or whether it's the job you took. Whether it was the marriage that you entered or the child perhaps you adopted or the child that came to your life. We start off with this exhilarating call and we're almost overwhelmed with gratitude. We're grateful for the paycheck. We're overwhelmed with gratitude towards God because uh, we have a family family. We have an opportunity, we, we have health, we have resources, we love the new church. It's exhilarating, it's exciting. The cause is fresh and the cause is new. And we purpose in our heart that we are going to never take this for granted. We're not going to take this job for granted, we're not going to take this marriage for granted, we're not going to take this church for granted. We are going to give it our best, we're going to run with endurance We're going to stay focused. Uh, God is with us. In fact, He's called us. God has orchestrated this. He has spoken. And we think back to those moments uh, that it was all new, it was all fresh, and it all started. And, And at that moment, we think, how could anything go wrong from here? How can there be any more challenge? But what happens? It's just like the new car. Two years after we buy it. It becomes a $15,000 trash can with dead grass, McDonald's wrappers, petrified ketchup stains in odd places. Because the exhilarating cause wears out. See, there's there's a great difference between idealism and reality. I love how young couples put so much effort into the nursery. You know, having lived, lived as a pastor with congregation members and a lot of young families have been in the churches I've served, I've been into these homes where the nursery is unbelievable. I'm talking about custom paint and elaborate decorations and there's, if you go to Barnes and Noble across the street, there's all types, there's magazines about how to decorate a baby's room. This is incredible. It's a statement. And you can just, maybe you've been there before as a young parent, that exhilarating cause. We are going to have the most elaborate, sanitary, incredible nursery ever imagined. But there's still, dirty diapers. And when it's four in the morning and you have to get up to change a diaper and that happens, all of a sudden all of the idealism has left. It's just plain work. It's plain work. That's what happens to us is that we, we receive the exhilarating cause, call, experience the exhilarating cause. But after that, things change. And that's what happened to Jeremiah. Because from chapter 2 to chapter 19, Jeremiah spoke the word of the Lord. He went to those people that God had already told them, don't be scared of them, don't be afraid of them. He went to them and he gave them the words God spoke. And just to really summarize what happened, it didn't go that great. He wasn't welcomed. He wasn't appreciated. There was no prophet appreciation month for Jeremiah. It didn't work out that way. He was not in a place of honor or a place of gratitude. Things didn't go well for him at all. And so it is that Jeremiah encountered what you encountered too. Because most of the issues we deal with, we get the exhilarating cause, but then we encounter, write it down, difficult people. Difficult people or challenging people. God gave Jeremiah a tough message to deliver. And Jeremiah, we, we see this from, in chapter 19, kind of summarizes what happens. This is what the Lord says. And the Lord begins to speak and he gives Jeremiah this unusual challenge. He says, go and buy a clay jar from a potter. It says, chapter 19 of Jeremiah, verse 1. Take along some of the elders of the people and of the priest and go to the valley of Ben-Hinnom near the entrance of the Potsherd gate. And there proclaim the words, I tell you, and say, hear the word of the Lord. Now, here we go. Penny, I won't call you back up, but just pretend she's up here playing. Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, pause right there. Okay, so do you understand that? He said, this is the word of the Lord, God Almighty. Listen, the anticipation's here. This is, must be something really good. Something like every day is a Friday or something like that. Something that just says this, you know, your best life always. Whatever the case is. This is going to be really, really good. This is God speaking, okay? This is, this is him speaking. Get ready for something really encouraging uh, and, and uplifting. Uh, you're going to make it. You're the best. God's behind you. Don't give up. Keep going, right? So let's go to the verse. What, is, what does God say to Jeremiah? I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it. Tingle. I mean, that is not a fun word to share to people. If uh, God wanted me to share that with you, I, I would hope that I would have the obedience and courage to do that. But I'm going to tell you that that I carry when when I prepare these messages and I pray for you and I think about you. Um, I empathize with what you've been through this week. I know some of you come here discouraged. Some of you come here lonely. Some of you come here upset. And I so badly desire and I want to encourage you and lift your spirits and point you to Jesus. And, and most Sundays they do because I believe I have a gift, an exhorting gift. That's my gift to the body of Christ. I'm an encourager. I'm an exhorter. But if God came here and, and he has in the past and he will again and has told me to tell you something hard to hear, I have to obey. And even though that might not be fun for you to listen to, and it might not be fun for me to give, as we are chosen by God to deliver a message, we have to say what He says, and we have to listen to what He says. Not to what we prefer, not to what we want. So we go down to verse 10 to find out more about this jar. What did He do with this pot of clay? And God says, Then break the jar while those who go with you are watching. And say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. Tough word. Difficult assignment. That's something really hard to say. Can I remind you as we talked about Legends that Jeremiah is not unlike you, and he's not unlike me. Some of you have had some difficult assignments in recent months. You've had to downsize to save your company. And when you have to look at a man who's providing for his family and say, I can't employ you anymore, that's a tough thing to do. Some of you have had to confront your supervisor because they've had inappropriate behavior, and you just couldn't let it slide anymore. And even though you could have been fired, and maybe you were, that was a tough assignment from God, to expose injustice. Some of you have had to take a stand for righteousness in your workplace that's made you unpopular. You see, it's not just about Jeremiah prophesying to a nation. Sometimes it's about us taking a stand for righteousness, not in a self-righteous, imposing, pharisaical way, but in a sometimes Behavior that's unjust and oppressive demands for the righteous to speak up. And if that happens at a hospital or a school or, or an office place, that's just as important as Jeremiah speaking to the nations and you must be led by the Spirit to do that. Some of you, speaking of taking a stand for righteousness, have had to do this in your own home your own children whether they're living in your home or adult children and that can feel hard because we have this innate desire we want our kids to like us we want to be friends with our kids we we want them to we want to relate to them I mean isn't that what life is about it is to a certain degree but all life is also about as parents standing up for righteousness and saying this is Should not go on in our home. This should not be watched. This should not be talked about. We should not slander. We should not do this. And taking the stand for righteousness can be difficult. And it can be just as challenging as it was for Jeremiah. Because people are difficult. And not everybody wants to hear what God has to say about a situation. Some of you have made tough choices. And you've had to deliver very uncomfortable truth. If you've ever led at any level, you're going to understand this. People are difficult. People often don't want to be led. So leading them takes courage. It takes heart. It takes boldness. It takes obedience to the Lord. And and there's different categories of people. Now, some people, and and some people you work with, and, and as soon as I tell you this, you're going to imagine someone in your mind. They're always going to be difficult. I mean, it didn't matter if Billy Graham was leading your team. They would find something wrong with it. They're called antagonists. Antagonists live for confrontation. They live for a problem. And you can't really do a whole lot about antagonists except ignore them and don't let them affect you when you go home from work or you go home from school. Then there's, there's other people that aren't necessarily antagonists, but they just don't click with you. I mean, there's just some people that... You don't, your, your personality is not compatible with theirs. I don't know how anybody could not be compatible with me, but there have been times, many times, just to be realistic, that I just didn't click with somebody. And that's when we get to live out the kingdom principles and Jesus principles and we, we figure out ways to navigate. But then there's some people that are difficult simply because. They don't care about what God says. Bottom line. They're in some form of rebellion. Some of them know it. Some of them don't even know because they don't know God's ways. And you need to understand something. That taking a stand for righteousness or having opposition from them is not unusual or not to be unexpected or not something that Uh, You should think that there's something wrong As if you go back to that exhilarating cause You got the job, you got the opportunity You got the, oh it's going to be easy from here No, that's just not the way it works in a simple world Some people are antagonists Some people don't like you And some people simply don't want to get with the program with God They don't care about God's ways They don't care about God's desires They don't care about what God's trying to say And so what happens is we get beat up so think about this. Remember chapter 1, when Penny was up here playing behind me, God said, don't be terrified. Don't be scared. I'm going to scare them. Things are going to go well. You're a prophet to the nations. Now go to chapter 20 because I want you to see the result of what happened after Jeremiah spoke the, these difficult words. In verse 1, And when the priest, Pashur, son of the Myrrh, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, He had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Jeremiah, one of the legends, got beat up. He got his butt kicked because he obeyed God. He got assaulted because people are difficult, the cause is exhilarating. The call, it's a privilege, it's an honor. But then when we flesh it out, sometimes, not all the time, but Jeremiah reminds us this morning that sometimes things are just tough because people are tough. If you think this is an isolated situation, let's go to chapter 37. Chapter 37, with verse 15, says something very similar. They were angry with Jeremiah. They had him beaten and imprisoned in the house. This is verse 15 of chapter 37. They had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary, which they had made into a prison. Verse 16. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. This is not a 24-hour holding. For a long time, Jeremiah was in prison. There are times... There are times in this life where Satan has limited dominion, the God of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't trust the Lord. Where the principality, the kingdom, the powers of the air has authority. There's places where darkness rules and darkness reigns. And because of that, opposition happens. And that's why in 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul reminded a young pastor, and now I remind you this morning this. He says, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. That's ancient wisdom. That was true to Timothy as he pastored the church at Ephesus. And it's true today in Hendersonville and Goodlitzville and Gallatin and Castilian Springs and Nashville. It's true today that if you really want to live a godly life for Christ, there are going to be times you're going to be persecuted. And that's okay. That's okay because we identify with Jesus then. Doesn't mean you're going to be persecuted all the time. There's times a blessing, Beth shared that this morning is the blessing that she's walking under right now. But we need to realize that there are times that difficult people, because they're not with the program and not with the with the Lord's will, will make things tough. You know what the hardest part about working for someone? I'm imagining most of you work for someone, or you have a manager. Here's the hardest part about working with someone. That if you're not careful, whatever mood that person is in that morning will determine your mood. Your your boss, your overseer, your manager, you walk in, if they're excited and energized and have the Christmas spirit, it's going to be a good day. I've had bosses before that the very first time I saw them that day, I knew what type of day it was going to be. I mean, I could see it in their eyes before they even spoke a word. And that's a really tough thing uh, about working for someone else. But there's things that we can learn from that. You see, the problem is that the problem with other people's problems is that other people's problems become our problems. If we're not careful, we can let other people's issues. The fact that someone else had a bad day, now we're going to have a bad day. Someone else is discouraged and we go to that place with them. And this is exactly what happened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah went through something. I want you to write it down. He went through a personal crisis. Jeremiah went through a time of doubting. Jeremiah went through a time of discouragement. And I know this word just scares everybody, but it shouldn't because everyone deals with it. He went through a time of depression. Who knows? I'm not, was it a clinical depression? Who knows? I can't identify those, but I know this is that because we have emotions, our emotions expand and they depress and the joy of the Lord is our strength all along. But, but I I wanted to, I want to remind you of something this morning. I've uh, studied the Bible for a lot of years. I've been in vocational ministry for 16 years now, coming up in January. So I've been through, I've worked with a lot of different families. I've been mentored by a lot of great pastors I've read a lot of biographies about great Christian men and women. And I've yet to discover a Christian that never got discouraged. I want you to hear that. I hear that to encourage you this morning. Because some of you, when you deal with temporary times of discouragement, you might think, there's something wrong with me. What's, what's the issue? And if, if you even look at the, the biblical The biblical biblical examples from Elijah, now to Jeremiah, to even in some of Apostle Paul's writings, you can feel some of the discouragement sometimes. But our Jesus doesn't want us to stay encouraged. Excuse me, discouraged. He wants us to stay encouraged. Our Jesus wants us to know that our life is hidden with Him. And our life is in heaven. And we're on this journey together. And I'm taking you to this place of awareness because God's going to take us to another place. A place where we don't stay in the pit. We don't stay in the discouragement. But discouragement is often the place where idealism meets reality. That we think, oh man, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be easy. And then challenge comes and opposition comes and and trials come. And if we're not prepared, if we're not ready for that, if we don't expect them, then we will quickly and easily lose heart and give up. And that's never God's will. God doesn't want you to give up. God doesn't want you to stop dreaming. God doesn't want you to give up hope. But if you're aware ahead of time that discouragement will come, you'll be better equipped to overcome the discouragement and receive the courage from the Lord. Now, how did this happen in Jeremiah? You'll see this down in verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. this is strong language. Oh, Lord, you deceived me. (laughs) And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. See, at the beginning, when it was an exhilarating cause, God said, go speak my word. Speak my word. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. And now, in this personal crisis that Jeremiah was in, he said, Lord, you deceived me. You deceived me. Man, I've been there before. I've been there before when I went, God, it wasn't supposed to be this tough. If I would have known that I was getting into God, I, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have chosen this. See, so he say, Lord, you deceived me. You overpowered me. I'm ridiculed. There's a little bit of self-pity going on here, which, you know, self-pity is never a good thing. But let's just be real. Aren't you glad we serve a God who didn't give us this tidy, clean Bible full of perfection? Just like, you know, we Christians, we want to project that. We're perfect little people who never get discouraged or never get upset. That's what we project. Aren't you glad the Bible's not that way? The Bible is raw. The Bible is real. Jeremiah gave his honest emotions to God God, you've deceived me. He was in a personal crisis. You think that's bad. Boy, it gets worse. Listen to what I feel like is almost depression here, or is depression. Verse 14 of Jeremiah 20. Cursed be the day I was born. I mean, this guy doesn't even like his birthday. <laughs> He's saying, My birthday stinks. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news. You see, there's this history in literature to always shoot the messenger, right? That's going on back here too. The poor little messenger boy. Cursed be that guy too. I mean, he brought my dad the news. Who made him glad saying a child is born to you a son. Here he is. Jeremiah is saying he's in this personal crisis. He's in this time where he feels deceived and, and he's working through that. We find heart of that this morning because because he didn't stay in that personal crisis. We find inspiration this morning because God was so loving to preserve these writings of Jeremiah to us so that we can identify with he who we call a legend, who's really like you and I. And we can see that God was in the process. And he's in the process with you. And I want to speak very pointedly to you this morning. Some of you can you look back and you can think about that exhilarating call. The first date. Man, the first date. It was great, Beth, wasn't it? We had an awesome first date and a second date and a third date. But there's been a lot of normal meals since then. Somehow I feel like this is going to be a topic of discussion at lunch today now. <laughs> I have to like qualify and say I'm very much in love with my life. We've got a great marriage and all that. But. You're with me, right? Okay. Okay, go with me here. <laughs> that's not a 1045 part of the sermon. See, that's that's the advantage you have to come at nine. You get to hear part of this. Think back about when it started. The, the opportunity you had. Exhilarating. And now it just feels a little tough. And... You may even be tempted to do what Jeremiah did, to dwell in self-pity, to over-exaggerate the issue. Oh, may the day be cursed that I was born. Come on, Jeremiah, you're over-exaggerating things here. God has a plan for you. This is the same man who told the exiles of Babylon, "Babylon, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The same guy who wrote those words, the same guy who said these very, very dark things to the Lord. But there's something that he dealt with. There's something that was inside of him. A call. An assignment. An irresistible cause. An unbelievable cause. An exhilarating cause. And now we go to verse 9. We're skipping back to verse 9 of Jeremiah 20. One of the most famous statements that Jeremiah... Ever said. Going back to verse 9, sandwiched right in between this personal crisis, he says, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Despite difficult people, Even though things haven't turned out like he wanted to, Jeremiah had something that I call irresistible obedience. It's the last thing I want you to write down. Irresistible obedience. He had to do what God called him to do. He had to say what God wanted him to say. He had no choice but to finish his assignment. The the exhilarating call was irresistible, even though he wanted to quit, even though he was over-exaggerating the situation, even though maybe if you want to interpret it that he could have dealt with thoughts of suicide, he dealt with depression. He said this, he said, I will not mention his name or speak his words anymore if I, if I try to say that. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire is shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I have got to say what God has called me to say. I have got to finish the job. I have to complete the assignment. So I want to challenge you this morning to clean out the car. That's metaphorically, so no one go look at my car this afternoon. But clean out the car. And wipe down the dashes. And change the diapers in that beautiful nursery that you were once excited about. And get up tomorrow on a Monday morning in December. And go to work like it's the first day you've ever gone to work before. Punctual and enthusiastic. And confront the issue. And speak up for righteousness. Righteousness. And keep showing up, keep obeying, keep doing the things God's called you to do because you have an irresistible obedience in you. It's a fire shut up in your bones. You have to do what God's called you to do. You cannot stop. Even though those around you quit and those around you question and people are difficult and people don't get with the program, don't give up on what God said in the beginning. The same God who spoke to you when it was exhilarating and exciting and easy is the same God who's with you even in the most difficult days. Keep showing up. Why? Because His Word is in my heart like a fire. A fire showed up in the, my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. At the, towards the end of Jeremiah's life, he wrote a very tough book. A difficult book called Lamentations. And he was lamenting over the state of his people. He was grieving. He was crying over the state of his people. But within within that mournful book, that melancholy book, there's some beautiful words that I want to share with you today because it's going to bring you hope. It's going to bring you life. And it's going to expose you to the same God. The same God who had the same personality The same characteristic and the same name to Jeremiah is the same God to you today. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, it says it this way. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore... I will wait for Him. You see that verse on the screen for a second? And I want us to reflect on that together. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. Can I just tell you, some of you are looking at the week to come. And if you begin to make a list right now of all you need to accomplish, all you need to do, all the tough conversations that need to happen, it feels overwhelming. Can I tell you, when you wake up in the morning, the same God who spoke to Jeremiah, the same God who strengthened Jeremiah, the same God who was a fire shut up in Jeremiah's bones, the same God, That's in relationship with you. And in the morning, he's going to be faithful. And Tuesday morning, he's going to be faithful. And on January 1st, he's going to be new and he's going to be faithful. And five years ago, if the Lord tarries and if you and I are still by his plan on this planet and this earth, that he's going to be faithful and he's going to be new every morning. Jeremiah points us back to God today. He points us back to a God who has a distinct personality, a distinct characteristic. He's a faithful God. He's a just God. He's a God who brings things new every morning. I don't know what you need today because I have a finite mind. I don't know. I can sit here and begin to list everything and hope I hit this need and that need and that need. But I do know this. I know a God who knows exactly what you need. So if you need strength this week, he's going to be your strength. If you need healing this week, he's going to be your healing. If you need courage this week, he's going to be your courage. I know our God is the same God who's going to bring you peace that he brought to the exiles in Babylon. The same God who prospered them and blessed them even though they were at a place and they were displaced and at a place they didn't prefer. Is the same God who's going to prosper and bless you because he is faithful and he is good and he is real. We thank you for that, Lord. Let's wait upon him for a moment. Don't despair. Don't lose heart. Don't let the unfaithfulness of a man or a woman waver your vision of our faithful God. Lord says, don't look to someone else, but to look to me. Even in this season where we are overly dependent upon our family, we want our family to produce peace for us. We want our family to produce a sense of, to eradicate loneliness. And God says, look to me. Look to me. Don't just hope and say, well, I need for my, I hope this is a year my father says this to me. Or I hope this is a year my child comes back home, or I hope this is the year that they respond to the gift right. Lord says, look to me. I'm your sufficiency. Every morning, yes, even Christmas morning, I'm going to be faithful to you. Fill my heart that some people are dreading the loneliness of Christmas, and some people are dreading the chaos of Christmas. God says, I'm the God of the loneliness. I'm the God of the chaos. I am there in both places. I am faithful. I am going to be with you. The Lord has made an assignment on the calendar. <laughs> December 24th, December 25th, he will be with you because he is faithful. He's marked the calendar. He's made his plans. He is faithful. He is just. He will be there. You can count on God, you can count on him. You can count on him. He's going to be in that place you are. As Beth Minister, don't want us to reflect on this. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church in Indian Lake.